just leave. It's your boy D. I'm sorry. Yo, 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 what's up, you guys? Okay, I am your host, Smooth, uh, as usual. And I got with me Larry as Vito. As Vito? Yep, Azevedo. Yep, Azevedo. See, ah, Azevedo, Azevedo, Larry Azevedo. Okay, this is episode number two hundred and fifty-four. All right, and um, he is running for the Democratic nomination for uh, president of the United States. All right, so let's hear from uh, let's hear from you now, man. Uh, give give us a brief rundown of yourself, man. Well, my name's Larry Azevedo. I come from a single parent home. My mama raised me. My daddy abandoned us when I was three years old. She made her living going to local auctions and buying farm animals to bring home to raise for her three boys. There's three of us, me and my two brothers. Goats, mm -hmm. sheep, pigs, cattle. So we had to feed them seven days a week before school and after school. And anyway, we ended up training and showing a lot of them throughout the San Joaquin Valley. You know, mm -hmm. we trained them, showed them at local fairs, all the way up to Cow Palace, the big show palace there. Cow Palace, absolutely. Sacramento, okay. Fresno, all the big fairs. Won many trophies and ribbons along the way. Through dedication mm -hmm. and hard work. Then finished my education and showing animals through high school. And I worked at some of the local cotton gins around here. All right. And the tomato stations. And then I wanted to further my education. Mm. So I went ahead. I went to a trade school and I got my associate's degree. And auto diesel technology, right? They're in Arizona. Okay. Went away for a while, went and got my technology degree, came back to my mom's old barn there. Cattle were gone. So anyway, I turned that old barn into a shop and I started fixing cars, pickups, and trucks because of my new trade put it into practice. Mm -hmm. And then one day on the way to town, I see some old fertilizer trucks for sale. This old contract, but he was kind of done and done with it, you know. So mm -hmm. I I knew how to fix them, so I brought them home. So I fixed them up and started spreading cow manure, basically, for the farmers around here. So one truck turned into two, turned into three, and then pretty soon mm. we had a fleet of them, all right? And me and my brothers spread manure for the farmers. Nice business. And then from there, we had a little money left over. So there was, you know, the yeah, that was in 08 when Obama was in office. Uh, the economy hit, you know, the housing, bigger, you know, everybody lost their homes and Homes were for sale and a lot of the old beat up ones around our town. So we started buying homes that were all beat up. So I started learning about homes. I took my auto and diesel knowledge that I learned and kind of applied it, you know, into housing. So mm -hmm. I learned to do electrical plumbing, started fixing up homes. That's why I started. To, and then also to back up a little bit, what got me interested is when 9-11 happened, when our country was attacked. Okay, that's what. Mm -hmm. It sparked me at first, you know, so when I was driving a truck, I was taking a load of grapes to a, a vineyard, to a winery that day. And that's when the, that terrible thing happened. And from that point on, I learned, you know, well, how could such a terrible thing happen to us, a superpower? And right. what were yeah. some of the things that led up to it? You know, was it our fault? Was it the other people's fault? What caused all this? You know, and it was basically both sides. Everybody caused it by just not paying attention and doing enough for one another globally. Okay, let's leave it at yeah. that. There, there was mistakes made on all sides. All right, so that sparked my original interest. So mm -hmm. then from there, I learned what I could from that. Then I started, okay, well, what about education? You know, what about infrastructure? And as the years were, okay. And then when the rentals came along, 
you know, we're renting to all these farm laborers, you know, migrants, minorities, and we rent a couple hundred dollars cheaper than everybody else. One, because we want to keep them in our homes. We want them to take care of them. We don't want to charge mm-hmm. the outgoing rates because then they just, people are just coming and going. They don't take care of the place and they complain. Mm-hmm. So we rent cheaper than anybody else that keeps them in there and it keeps a good working relationship. Plus if they can't afford it anyway, that costs everything. So basically you learn about people's problems within the community and all the different ethnic backgrounds, along with my knowledge of what's going on. And so, so, okay, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. if I was in a position someday, you know, for my friends, family members and community, you know, what could I do to better ourselves? So since, you know, it came up hard, we made it through the fertilized shucks, we made it in rental. So I have a little bit of um, money and a whole lot of knowledge. So I figured I'd throw my hat in the ring and give it a chance. You know what I mean? Let the people decide. Because that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. The people are going to decide this. And as you can see, the current administration, the way things are going on. Anyway, I wrote all of my policies by hand. I don't have no advisors. I don't have nobody writing my own policies. You can go to my website, www.asvitaforpresident.com, and you can go to the speeches section, scroll past the videos, and right there you see my policies. There's 20 of them. It covers everything you want to know about us and around the world. It starts at education, goes to health care, immigration, Social Security, inequality, but or mm-hmm. it covers everything, anything you want to know, foreign policy, you name infrastructure, energy, all of it. And basically, I wrote all of those by hand. It took me months just to write those. OK, it took me over 20 years of gathering knowledge. And then it took me months mm-hmm. just to write them and put them up on the website. And, you know, I wasn't born with no silver spoon in my mouth. I come up hard. I appreciate hard work and the value that it could bring. And. I believe that there's a better way forward that somebody that's honest and hardworking and that made it versus the political corruption you got going on up there. They, these people had time and time again to change things, whether it's a Republican or Democrat in the popular government, and they continue to fail the American people. They continue to fight and argue amongst one another, and you can see the problems out there. And they continue to let mm. corporate mm. overrun us, you know, as far as the price gouging and the products and services out there. For the average American mm-hmm. family, you know, we're spending over $300 more a month or a week just in groceries for, you know, for the average family just to buy, you know, husband and wife you know, and three kids. Know, it's tough. Yeah. You, you know, you know, what's interesting about that is like right now for me by myself, it is cheaper for me to just eat out every day than it is for me to buy groceries at this point. It's actually right. cheaper. Mm-hmm. Right. But that but even some of that, that's. You know, like a single person, that's a whole lot different because I talked to a lot of people, well, that's not that bad. No, not if you're single. But if you're husband, wife, and you got kids, that changes the whole dynamic of things. You know what I mean? Because you are you take whatever you cheaper, and then you time to times four. And then you got the gas. And I took out my wife the other day, my daughter and my grandson. And then we bought an extra burger for some for another a family member. We spent $75. That was one stop. And that was just like for five of us to eat. That was yeah. five of us to yeah. eat. You know what I mean? And things have really gone up. So basically, it probably cost you an average, what, $20, $25? You probably feed yourself, I imagine. Almost 30 at minimum, probably. I mean, it, it, all, it all depends where you go, I guess. In the main yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, depends, it depends where I go. There's some places yeah. I can I can, I can feed yeah, myself about. 
value shop. Yeah, right? yeah, for about for about nine dollars. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. Like I can get like a healthy bowl of rice and chicken and right. broccoli, but you can only eat yeah. the same thing so many days. Right. Right. You know? Right, right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Like if you went for the but, regular but average burger, right, or fries or soda, then you know then it's amazing. Yeah, I would say fifteen to twenty bucks is like what it costs yeah. for me to eat. Just mm -hmm. a meal, just a meal, right. not not even anything mm -hmm. crazy. That's um, right. but I, but I do want to um, but I do want to ask you on far as far as uh, as far as like what's what what's your stance on um? Because I know a lot of in California, a lot of the uh people out in the the rural area, as far as like uh the farmlands and and stuff of that nature, they feel like forgotten about, or they feel like you know what I'm saying policies are only made for people that are in the city. So what would you do to help? those people out um in, in the rural, rural area. area yeah in the rural areas of, of america and california well one thing is that they're not taken care of enough the farmers are doing pretty well you know what i mean the more larger ones the smaller ones are fading off they're dying because of the larger ones so that's because of the funding in our ag policy that affects the rural area so if you go to my mm -hmm. you have an ag policy it's, it's on my website. You go look at the ag policy and it points out the problems with it. The problems with it, they got these large, massive corporations that are called farmers, right? But they're not farmers. They're mm -hmm. just massive. They're billions and billions that they give all the funding to them. They no longer provide funding for the small farmer. Like the, the original ag policy and the funding was, was produced and committed to the local farmers, to the small and medium farmers. They no longer have that funding available to them. It's only going to the large corporations like Bill Gates. He's the largest potato farmer on the planet. Okay, whether you know that yeah, or which not. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's that? No, all, all I was saying was that was, yeah. was kind of cra anyway, crazy. But anyway, what I'm saying is we need to shift that funding out of the large super corporations back down to the small and medium farmers, Okay provide the funding and the farming incentives. Because if you have more farmers, nor new farmers, okay, and small farmers getting larger, like that's what it was designed for, it was to help grow your farm. You know, okay, let's put some fertilizer in your field. Let's help you get a tractor. You know, let's help you secure the funding so you can start producing more crops and goods for our communities. And when you produce more crops and goods, you produce more jobs and services. You hire more laborers and you have more products. And that creates competition for the larger ones. See, when you create competition, that causes the larger ones to be able to have to bring their prices down because now you have a whole new set of smaller farmers with more products and services. See, mm -hmm. and plus you're hiring more people. So that is the number one thing wrong with the rural community and why they're dying. And when I say small farmers, these are farmers with 10, 20,000 acre, 30,000 acre, which sounds like a lot, okay, but it's not. When you're up against gates, they got millions of acres. These people have millions of mm -hmm. acres, these farmers, okay? The average farmer around here, you know, was lucky to have a couple hundred. Then they got 5,000. Then they got 10,000. And even those with 10 and 20,000 acres, which is a lot of land, which is a lot of land's expensive. But it mm -hmm. also costs a lot. An average cotton picker costs you a million dollars just to pick cotton. You know, the big six row. Mm -hmm. So you got to go out and get other jobs. But that's the number one thing with our rural economy is that the funding has been taken away to, from our infrastructure to provide for our small farmers and medium farmers to continue mm -hmm. to produce products and services and to continue to hire people on a local scale. Once that's gone and killed, 
these farmers, they go bankrupt. They lose the fields, and then the big corporations, they come in. And also, it's tied to immigration. That's what a lot of immigra- illegal immigration comes in. Bad sponsors. They let people flow in thousands at a time. That's mm-hmm. so those so those large corporations they bring in illegals to work for almost under the table and even less than minimum wage and in poor and terrible working conditions. Mm-hmm. I'm all for immigrants coming here legally and making their way, just like the Americans are trying to make their way. But when they don't follow the the, the law legally to get here, and that has a number one reason is the sponsors allow this to continue to happen. They allow this the unaccountability to take place. In other words, say they need 500 mm-hmm. workers in the state for the season, just to so you give it a point. They'll mm-hmm. bring a thousand, okay, just to get make sure that okay that their crops are picked because they don't care if there's extra. As long as there's enough for them to pick the crop, that's fine. But this what happens to this extra 500 is there's no job for them, so they end up on welfare and they end up without a job, and then they end up in poverty, and then they end up worse off than when they came from. See, so that adds more mm-hmm. to our poverty, more to our problems right here in our rural. And then that just makes your more rural, more, more worse. So things are tied together, whether they look like it or not. I've done my homework and I've studied this for many years. Mm-hmm. So anyway, was, well, that's pretty much what we need to do. Bring the funding back to small, medium farms okay. and the communities. And we got to... Uh, Put accountability for our sponsors as far as the immigration tied to the bringing the workers over. Don't just bring over, you know, a thousand when you only need five hundred. You know, it's an example. If you need ten thousand, bring ten thousand. Don't bring twenty thousand. You know, wait till next year and bring ten thousand. That's a that's a major problem. Okay. And also, anyway, I think oh. we covered that. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. So um, so I get so I guess my, the next thing I would like to ask you about is. So what what would you do to um you know t- tackle uh like climate change for instance like what would you do on that front? Climate change, I'm glad you asked that. It's very important. Climate change, as you can see, the laws coming back 2030, they want to get at least half of our vehicles in electric, which is good, but for the billions and billions of dollars they're spending on the renewable energy project, they're shipping it all out to Beijing. Okay, that's bad because. China has cornered the market on the batteries on the electrical vehicles. They make 75% of the batteries. That's bad for us. One, because it's poor quality. And two, we got to buy it. So we should be making those batteries right here. Okay. You cannot rely on a foreign country to, to supply our renewable energy infrastructure because you're selling out your independence. That's a threat to our national security. Mm, we need okay. to be making our own renewable energy grid. Okay, I don't mind buying 25% from them, but buying that many from them, that's ridiculous. We should be making and producing them right here. That produces jobs for us and that produces products for us. I'm not worried about their, or the climate, we'll stick on the climate change. We'll talk about more trade in a minute. But the mm-hmm. climate change is important, especially the infrastructure. It's not being done like these charger stations that are going to be put up and down the highway, especially if they bring in mm-hmm. the big trucks. Okay. They're not doing enough for that. You see some of these car stations that are here and there in spots. But when they talk about bringing in the trucks and everything else, the money being spent in the in the budgets, it's not being put out to where they say it's going. You see what I'm saying? They're blowing it mm. and it's going overseas. They're not doing the, what they're supposed to be doing, what they promised the American people. 
that is the big thing with the renewable, the climate change. You know, as far as the renewables, they're not putting in the infrastructure for the amount of money that they're using, they're wasting on our tax dollars. It's not being spent where it needs to be spent. And yes, climate change is real. Okay, and mm-hmm. we need to go. And the air gets bad. And since we're on climate change, let me tell you something else. Mm-hmm. All the all the fuel that they use, we 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 are one of the largest agriculture producers in the world california it's amazing the amount of agriculture goods we produce okay this is sickening they use a red number two diesel to power all these tractors it's a dirty polluted diesel that pollutes our air causes health and diseases and allergies and inflames you and causes our health care prices to rise why aren't they using the cleaner diesel that the stuff the highway trucks use it's the clean number one diesel that right there just switching the diesel over to that cleaner diesel We'll clean up our air in Central Valley drastically, okay? That's goes to do the big oil and corruption in Washington. The highway trucks are using it. The farm agriculture tractors need to start using it because our lives depend on it. You talk about climate change, you better believe it. That is part of climate change, and we need to do better. And them fuels are readily available. They need yeah, to clean up that fuel. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was just going to ask you about that, about that diesel. But you you had already you had already touched on it, and um, I guess on on that front with with um, with climate and transitioning into trade, like how how would you how would you how would you bridge that gap as far as like the, on the jo- on the job front? Because a lot of people say like it's missing a lot of the um, I guess like the 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 bodies aren't available or like the structure there isn't available to actually make uh, renewable energy work. And is it and is it more so of a big oil thing that's just really getting in the way of that? Yes, both, both. Matter of fact, they they have the minerals. They're like a lot of the minerals that the batteries are made of come come out of Africa and other foreign countries. Right. China comes over with these big ships. They ship it all to they ship it all over there, and then they refine it. Okay, we we should be bidding over there. We should be putting our bid in. There's there's other thousands of millions of other mines. Okay, there's no mm-hmm. excuse not to go out and get those minerals, have them have them refine, and start putting our own infrastructure in. One because it's important. Like I said earlier, I don't care about the household items, the plates, and the silverware lamps. But when it comes to our medication, our communications, our cell phones, and our transportation, especially our renewable energy grid, you cannot depend on another country. Okay. Because we're having basically all those things we need to live and survive. We need to move. We need to take medicine. We need to communicate. We need to drive. Okay, you cannot have another country producing these things for you. We have to produce those right here. Okay, because whether it's a war breaks out or whether it's another COVID event or a shortage, you think when the shortage or war breaks out, China's Mm going to make sure they have medicine first. They're going to make sure they have their batteries. They're going to make sure they have phones and communications first. We'll be the last ones to receive anything. And if it was war with them, there goes the majority of our medicine overnight. There goes the majority of your transportation and your communications. It's gone. We're only 330 million people. There's 8 million people. There's 8 million, 8 billion people in the world. China doesn't need us anymore. For the last five or so administrations, they've relied too much on China. China is the global super leading in trade and services and goods. They have enough economic heft to live without us. That's why they control our prices of our medicine, our electronics, our communication, and now our renewable energy. It's all in their hands. We should have 
Boston on speed dial, not Beijing. Mm. Okay. Okay. I can, I can get behind and, that. And, mm -hmm. and that's on the infrastructure side and on the oil and gas side, you touched on that. That's another thing hampering it because, you know, they're trying to keep that out there. So, you know, cause they want to produce and I'm, you know what? Mm -hmm. And Democrats tend not to be for big oil. I am for big oil, but they need to clean up their act. Okay. They need to get that dirty red diesel out here. There's no excuse. They put in filters, do whatever, put the cleaner diesel in the tractors. I will work with big oil, but it's time. They are, they are the richest people in the world. It's time they clean up their act. Okay. They're going to be around for a while, but there's no excuse to sell that polluted diesel anymore. They got plenty of money and plenty of time to fix it. So it's time to work with them. And a lot of Democrats, oh, they don't work with them. That's the big mistake when they say, oh, we want to go green, go green, go renewable. Well, whenever you do that, you, you done lost the ability to negotiate and work with them and say, okay, well, well I'm going to work with you, but let's clean it up a little bit. See, the Democrats use the favor, oh, green, let's not drill no more, not drill. Well, that's a mistake. And then the Republicans, mm -hmm. they say, oh, well, we want to drill, we want to drill. We don't want green, we don't want green. And that's a mistake. You know, Trump, he never had a renewable energy platform or program. You know this, right? He never wrote mm -hmm. one policy mm -hmm. on it. He was all for right. big oil. Right. That was a mistake. He should have wrote or had his policy because he had people lined up to write things for him. They should have did something with renewable energy. They could have still favored big oil, still could have made him clean it up a little bit, and still could have did a renewable energy flat policy and he didn't so so we're straight okay but that's okay. some of the main okay. problems but i'm allowing to work with big oil i'm not just gonna oh, i'm not working with them we're all going green you can't work like that you're a presidential candidate you got to work with everybody you got to meet in the middle you got to negotiate you got to get through it but just putting them off to the side and going off left or going off right is the wrong direction for the america it's up the middle Right, right. No, and I, I agree with that. I agree with that. A lot, a lot of a lot more could be found in the, I would say, well, a lot of people say the gray, but I would say in this instance, like the purple. You know what I'm saying? If you were to blend both sides together and right. walk down the middle, the the country could be a whole lot better. So I, I my, yeah. So my my next my next question for you would be um how do you feel about uh January 6th and how that and how that um it's turning shameful. Out. He should go to prison for what he did, especially as a president. He caused death and destruction on our steps of democracy. It's a dirty shame that a president would stoop to that level to cause death and destruction to officers sick Nick. They lost their lives protecting our steps on the, the interrupted the transition of smooth transition of power. That should have never happened out of respect of his title. It's disrespectful for a for a leader and a government official. To cause that at such a great level, it's you know mm -hmm. that's just terrible. What he did, he had the power to stop that, and he didn't. And then he's trying to back down and back down. His was to go over there and mess thing up. He did. That's all he was. He got people fired up, and he influenced to do it. And he's the number one influence, and he should be hawked. He should be held for wrongful death because that was wrongful death. That's what happened. And whether they said he had a stroke or not, the direct death caused that. You know, he didn't die at the actual scene. If you really investigate how they wrote it up, but mm -hmm. he still died because of that event. He shouldn't be allowed to run again because of that, because he tried to overthrow it. But they say, oh, well, it's in the independence. You could try to overthrow your government if they're saying if it's corrupt. No, he was in a he. He shouldn't have done that. And he needs to be held accountable for it. And nobody's holding him accountable. And he's getting to run again. And let me tell you why he's getting to run again. You know, them documents they found at his house, 
Okay, mm -hmm. at Mar-a-Lago. Okay, right. those well, are blackmail documents. Those ain't just documents he took home that presidents get to keep. Let's get that straight right now. Those are documents. He's holding our Congress mm -hmm. hostage. He has goods on what Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, all the crimes they've committed in the last 20 years, Joe Biden, his son, and the rest of them, Bush, Clinton, all of them, all the crime, Reagan, you name it, Carter, all the crimes they committed, that's the papers he's got. That's why he's getting to run and get away with what he's doing to this day, because they're scared. Because if they, the more they pinch him, the more they hang him, then he's going to take them documents and he's going to release them. They will, You won't see this on big media. I'll give it to you straight. That's why he took them documents. That thing is bigger than you think. And that's why the FBI went after him. But he made copies. He gave those back. And you don't hear that. But that's exactly what happened. And that's why he's getting run. And that's why they ain't took him off the election ballot. So there it is there. Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to do your homework. Yeah, you got to do your homework. But no, not, what he did, that was, shouldn't have happened. And it shouldn't have happened. And he probably didn't plan on people dying. You know what I mean? You know, go down there, you know. You know, I'm saying he didn't plan on going down there and having people dying. Probably go down there, stir things up, cause a chaos. And then people ended up dying from it. What he did mm. was wrong. It cost people their lives and it needs to be held accountable. Whether it's wrongful death or whether it was, it was improper leadership, bad decision by a sitting president, it was wrong mm -hmm. and it should be unlawful and something needs to happen to him. Whether he goes to prison or not, whatever. You know how a, a, a large super leader, somebody that powerful, it's hard to put in prison for the hide behind all the laws. And he was the president at the time. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Everybody's screaming, put him in prison. You know what I mean? He probably never going to see prison. Okay, let's be, this is face reality. But they should at least have enough gumption, enough power in Congress left to not let him run. Look, look what he got, look what he did. He called death and destruct. The guy's a mess. Look, he, he's a convicted rapist, all right? Okay, he convicted, he molested that lady in that clothing store. He's been convicted mm -hmm. of it. It's basically rape. And he's still our kid and he's still running. It's a shame. And America is yeah. continuing yeah. to let this happen. It's a disgrace to the, to the office of the presidency itself. And for Congress to let this disgraceful man, this terrible, sick, disturbed human, continue to cause death and destruction, not only our steps, but to our country itself. It's a rotten shame. He needs to be stopped. He's a very dangerous man. And he is in line with Putin. Let's talk a little bit about the trade. You know how the Russian helped him get into office. Okay. When mm -hmm. he was in office, he took the funding away from Ukraine. Okay. What that's going to do, that's going to allow Russia to take over Ukraine. Well, they're not going to stop with Ukraine. Once he gets into office, he's going to cut the funding for Ukraine because he's buddies with Putin. That's his That's his buddy. Now, mm -hmm. they're not going to stop at Ukraine. They want to, they're going to take a piece of Poland. They're going to take a piece of Pakistan. They're going to piece of Baltic Sea. And then China's going to say, oh, well, they're going to jump on Taiwan. We're going to have World War III if Trump gets back in office. Because he already proved it. He already took their funding away. And he caused that to favor Russia. Mm. We got to keep funding Ukraine. We, Russia must never take one part of Ukraine. We have to fight and keep saying, I know it sounds bad. I'm not a war person. But... The other end of it is bad news. We cannot let Russia overtake that country because they won't stop there. And a stronger Russia means a stronger China. That's bad news for everybody. It's a communist country. Mm -hmm. These people are evil and dangerous and very manipulative. 
and have plenty mm -hmm. of economic heft. You better believe it. Okay, so um, so with 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 foreign policy, what other um, what other what other uh, and, and excuse me, and what other aspects would you would you um improve foreign policy? Okay, foreign policy, it has affected global inequality. Okay, the reason is mm -hmm. there's a lot of growing countries right now that want their own infrastructure. For instance, Tanzania. Okay, over there in Africa, Tanzania, mm -hmm. Guatemala, the Pacific Islands, Central Asia, and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. These are large developing countries with hopes and aspirations. Okay, if we don't fulfill their needs or hopes and aspirations, China has enough economic heft to do that. In other words, we got to go build bridges, airports, mm -hmm. train stations, help them, help them put in farmland, help them put in dams, electricity grids, cell towers, communications. Okay, that's where they're at right now. They're tired of China's bags of rice. They're tired of America's rice. They're tired of America's cell. They're tired of China's electronic. They want to have their own products and services, just like we need to have our own. That is the number one. They're only trading. They have the certain handful of countries that are making all the products and goods and handing them out to the other countries, which is bad. And we, we are a country of dysfunction and consumption. We need to go to a country of construction and mm -hmm. and construction and production okay so but being said if we're making and producing more products here mm -hmm. for the, these developing countries also you want to be able to put infrastructure in these other countries okay you cannot continue to let china put infrastructures in these countries because one they have slave-like labor in other words they don't pay you anything at all they go in there, they take over the little small militaries, mm -hmm. and they basically get bigger. We want these countries to have their own militaries, have their right. own infrastructure, and take care of themselves. So, okay, by working with us, we go over there and help them, whether it's funding or whether it's direction or guidance, help them design and build their own infrastructure. And that way we can, and we'll have trade goods and services, and you trade back and forth. In other words, to fix our foreign policy, the number one problem is we have to continue to work with the other countries that haven't developed their own infrastructure to have their own goods and services. Right now, China's forcing rice down their throat along with electronics and product services. That's bad because mm -hmm. those countries have to wait on somebody else to bring them their food, water, and medicine, just like we do, just like we do. The majority of our medicines made over there in China, the majority of our communications, the majority of our renewable energy, that's bad. Like I said, I don't care about the other household item, but if something happens, whether it's a shortage of COVID or a war, we have to have those goods and services produced here. And those other countries want the same thing right. that way. Right. Okay. Now let's talk about those humanitarian issues. Have you checked on those? I've done a bunch of issues. I got a bunch of videos okay. on my side. I got over 140 of them. And I've covered humanitarian issues. This directly has to do with national security and our infrastructure and global trade. Okay. These, mm -hmm. these humanitarian crises are out of control. They're just country after country. It's shameful, shameful. And you can just see the death, the struck disease, and, and the killing that goes on over there. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those continue to go on out of control. So what that does, so we take these developed countries like us or China, they have to continue to feed over there, continue to take resources and continue to just they're feeding chaos and corruption. 
They need to bring an end to these to these humanitarian crises, especially they need the infrastructure there. You know, they have like civil wars going on over there, in other words, that cause these humanity. And sometimes they even let the goods and services come in, but they need, this is where the UN would come in, all right? The United right. Nations, right. okay? This is where they have the power to stop these, these global humanitarian crises. They go in there and stop these civilian wars in these countries. And they're saying, oh, well, that's another country. Let them go. No, we're too far advanced. Why let continue to let brothers and cousins kill one another. That's ridiculous. They're fighting over pasture land or they're fighting over cows. They're fighting over gold mines. And they're going there. They'll kill off somebody and they take their gold mine, their pasture, their cow. Okay. And then next week, the next one comes, they kill off. And then it's just a, a constant blood battle. And then what that right. does, that, that kills off the infrastructure, that kills off their school, their education. Now, nobody gets supplies in there. It just, it continues to ruin things. And these, these global... Humanitarian crises are out of control and it just keep getting bigger and bigger, and larger. And that's bad for us because whenever we have disasters, when the hurricane season hits and you see our, our coastal lands get hit, we have to stand out all these resources. Well, that's causing a shortage. Okay. And whether, whether it's a, whether it's a national disaster here from hurricane mm -hmm. or anywhere else in the world, all these shortages of services because of these humanitarian crises are not being handled when these disasters happen the recovery rate takes a lot longer. Everything's connected. So now the next disaster happens. You see, you don't see on news. A lot of people, they don't get the funding. They don't get the resource. They ain't getting that bottle of water. They ain't getting that help they need. They ain't getting that medical help because the services to get out there and actually rescue and help these people, get them sustained back to daily living again is a delay. And if you get it at all, it's terrible. All because of the corruption in Washington. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So what would you what would you do? What would you do in the scenario? Um, what have you ever have you given thought to like what your first hundred days in office would look like? <laughs> Clean house. Clean house. <laughs> Basically, you know what I mean? Be wary of, of who I bring in. You know, I've, I've got a lot of people picked out, you know, just in case that does happen. And it's not going to be the older leadership that's been there. Guaranteed that. That's why we have to have term limits. I got my eyes on a, a lot of the good younger ones. They got a lot of good heads on the shoulder. You know, the Congress, the younger ones, they ain't been there that mm -hmm. long. The ones that ain't been polluted or corrupted yet. So there is some good in our government and our Congress. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But their hands are tied because of the leadership above them. They can't do anything about it. So that being said, I have a nice team picked out that can do some really good. And that's the most important is picking up the right cabinet and the right people around you in order mm -hmm. to be successful. That's the first, that's the most important thing is to be able to surround yourself with good people and open ideas. I might not have yeah. all the perfect solutions. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to point us in a direction that we need to all go. This is not just in the nation, but globally as a world. That's what I try to point out in my policies. And I might not always get it right to exact, but at least if we go in that direction, there's always going to be changes to make. There's always going to be adjustments. Don't get me wrong. But if we don't right. start heading in that direction, we're worse off. We're bad off. The way we're sitting right now, it's no good. We used to be the largest trader, about five mm, presidents. Yep. We used to trade, with, we were the largest trader of 120 different countries. Okay. Now we are the only largest trader of 60 countries. China used to be at 60 back in the 90s. Now they're at 100. They're the largest trader of 120 countries. 
and we're the smallest trader. We are no longer leading as a superpower. Why? Because of the corruption in Washington. Everybody's hands are tied under that. The military can't do nothing. We can't do anything. The American people, because they're not building products and services. The other four countries out there with the humanitarian crisis, they can't do nothing because their hands are tied and nobody wants to work with them. It's time to change all that for the greater good of our world. Okay. So um, I, I know I heard you mention the uh, the military. So what, what would you do with um, with DOD? Like how would you be, how would you function as commander in chief? I would do it through soft power. Okay. It's not all about killing and going there. We got to go in there and it's going to be done through soft power. There's some, there's some, I got some, some military leaders. Uh, I ain't going to mention their names, but I got my eyes on some and you want to be able to get the ones because each area is unique in its challenges. For instance, whether mm -hmm. it's Africa, whether it's Tanzania, you know, or whether it's Ukraine, you want the leaders that's been working there. They've been in that environment. They've worked with those people and there are there. That's where you're going to make your best gains at and see right now, the leaders that are there in these different areas. Washington's not letting them do anything. For instance, you know, to tackle some of that civil fighting, where this this country, that country, there's a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. They're not letting them do it. Okay. The majority says, well, we're here. Let's go ahead. Let's do this. Let's move this way. And they're waiting for a signal. They're waiting mm -hmm. for funding and it's not being provided, but that's mm. important. That's what you want to do. You want to go in there and set up just like we talked about the goods, the service, the infrastructure, we need a good military infrastructure, not only here, but in these other foreign countries. When we go to set up, say, for example, to stop some of these humanitarian crises, you need boots on the ground as far as, you know, the people in that country. And then just mm -hmm. the military would guide them. OK, you know, let's do it this way. Let's try to, you know, do it like this. Let's try to don't, you know, let's try to be minimally evasive. Let's kill, you know, as don't you know let's not try to kill anybody while we're trying to do it let's be humane as possible in other words right and right now they're not being humane they're just killing it and it's a free-for-all so we need to go in there with good leadership a leadership that has the vision and has the idea okay you know and this ain't gonna happen overnight we're gonna have to put stuff in there it's gonna last a good you know 10 15 20 years it's gonna be a long-term relationship that way they can go in there and basically set that own country up we really don't want to be involved. We just provide the leaderships, guiding the funding, and watch them make progress. That's what the that's what the military needs to do, and that's what I mean through soft power. You know, you can't just go in there and blow things up, expect it to work, because that's what happened in the 9/11. You went in there and you blow up this country, and you think that it's going to happen to you, and now you got a bunch of you got millions of people mad at you, and sooner or later somebody's going to come get you. You know, they just don't work like that no more. Yeah, that's not getting things done. Death and destruction is no good for anybody. So, yeah. you know, and, and Ukraine's not. But unfortunately, you know, for if Russia, if Putin would, you know, if he would just die or step down or get a better leader and quit acting like he's acting, then we wouldn't have to fight this Ukraine war. It's terrible. War is terrible. People die. But we have to be engaged in that, unfortunately, to protect our values and interests, not only here, but around the world. So, yeah, it's important. Okay. Absolutely. And then I guess, so I guess my, my last question would be like, so how would you uh, uh, help working class Americans, like the everyday person, the person that that's not even involved in politics, they're just trying to like make ends meet. How would you help them? Well, you would help them to put our consumer protections back into place. Okay. And providing more jobs around them. We need to control interest rates. 
especially on the mortgages, especially on the daily average American worker pays just too much for their house, for their interest rate, for the mortgage, for the cost of groceries, food, fuel. And that's all because the consumer protections have slowly been whittled away. Years ago, they used to gradually rise three to 5% every year, whether it's mortgage rates, gas, food, products and services. Now, the, the corruption of Washington, the corporations have removed these consumer protections. So now if they want to raise the price 20% in any one given year, 30% on any given service or product, they can. We have to restore those consumer protections where they can gradually increase year in, mm -hmm. year out. So that way the average American family making it is not going to have the $300 more a month every week grocery bill or the high interest rate on the mortgage loans and the, the rent. We got to bring that down. We need to produce more housing at an affordable level. Like in other words, you take the projects, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the government people in there. Well, we need to make the project where you can buy and rent. You can buy your apartment. In other words, instead of, you know, you live in the project, you get to buy your apartment, you know, because it, right now homes are half a million dollars almost. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's hard for anybody to afford. So take a partner complex where you can go in there and buy these individual apartments and live in them, say for 200, 250,000. That way it gives you affordable places, especially in the Valley. A lot of farm laborers, they make less than $50,000 a year. A lot mm -hmm. of mechanics that would help the, the average, the average working family. Okay. Mm -hmm. And on the homes, you could take a two story house. Okay. And, you know, say the, say the top, top half's mine and the bottom half's yours. You know, a lot of times family members live again. So, in other words, it'd be 250 for the top and 250 for the bottom. And you could go in there. So there's other development ideas that nobody's using, okay? Instead of having to spring a half a million dollar mortgage with interest, it's killing people. They cannot mm -hmm. afford it. So take the average home and you make a two-story out of it and you put two dwellings, basically. It's like, a, you know, top half of the house is theirs. The bottom's mine. That mm -hmm. way they can get in there for 250 Then way people can afford. And you could also, you know, if you buy the whole lot, you could sell the other half. That way you could kind of pick and choose who you want living there or a family member or a relative or a good friend or a co-worker will going to live above you or below you. So there is ways forward. But mm -hmm. until you get that into the construction people and all these housing developers out there, they're just as corrupt as Washington. They're not putting in affordable apartments. They're not putting in affordable housings. That's the number one thing. I'm going to restore the consumer protections. I'm going to bring in affordable housing. Okay. There's a lot to do. But that's what I'm going to do to help the average American family make it in okay. America. Okay. 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 And I guess lastly, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, why should someone vote for you? Why? Well, just yeah. look at the mess we're in. Look at the mess we're in. Why should someone vote? Because I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I have nothing to lose or gain. I already made it. All right. I got plenty of money. I don't have to do this. I do this because I love my country. I love my family. I love my neighbors. I love my community. And it's continued to be run down because of the people in Washington. And it's continued to sell out our country. And it continues to deplete. And you can see the, the look on the people's faces. Every time they got to go to work, every time they get a paycheck, every time they check out the grocery line, every time they go to buy something, you can't even start a small business anymore. This is a new way forward because I'm the man for the job. Those people you're in here at, the popular government is just too corrupt and they don't care about us. They never did. That's why, because I care about what I'm doing. 
I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. And I've been passionate before I've been doing this. And I cared before I've been doing this. So I really haven't changed. The only thing that I've changed, and people ask if you change. No, I haven't changed. I just took and I'm sharing my message. I've always helped my neighbors. I've always helped my friends mm-hmm. and co-workers. Okay. But now I'm doing it on a larger scale. Okay. From social media right. to hopping site to site to site. So, so that's why they should vote because look at the, you want change? You want a better America? My policies are there. My website's there. I'm nothing to lose or gain over this. Whether I win or lose, it's whether we are going to win or lose. Okay. And, and not enough people vote. Get involved. Do your homework. Do your research on the candidate. Okay. If I'm not the favorite candidate, pick somebody besides the popular government. Quit picking the most corrupted people to lead our country. It's dangerous and destructive. Right, right. So look, if you want to tap into him, I put his link right there down below. Okay, it's scrolling across the bottom. It's a veto for president.com. Um, you can tap in right there and check him out. Um, this this is uh Matt. First of all, I just want to say um it's been a pleasure having you, you know what I'm saying? And and it's and it's nice to get somebody out there with a different perspective and someone that's came from like uh came from the, the and a similar background, you know what I'm saying? A regular American background and built themselves up to the place that they are now and they want to give back and help the American people um through through uh politics and policy. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So uh guys, uh that was Larry Azevedo. This has been ep- this is episode number 254 of the Home and Smooth podcast. Remember tap in and check him out. Um check out his link. And we are up out of here. Catch you later. Have a good one.